0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LPGA professional Cindy Miller. And we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the BlogTalkRadio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teaching professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning. So grab your coffee and let's get started. All right. Good morning, once again, everybody, and thank you for joining us uh, live this morning on the Women of Golf. Uh, I'm Ted Oderico, and, and uh, right alongside, as mentioned, is uh, my good friend and co-host of the program, LPGA professional Cindy Miller. Good morning, Cindy.
0: Good morning, Ted. How are you today?
1: I am really excited this morning for a couple of reasons. Um, it's Tuesday morning, so you and I are, are uh, once again uh, joined here on the show, and I always look forward to that. And we are excited to have our first winner of the season from the Sumetra Tour. Uh, Janie Jackson is going to be joining us. She just won this past weekend's event, the um, 12th Annual Florida's Natural Charity Classic. So we're, we're excited to have her, and we're going to bring her on here in just a moment. And then once again, uh, Cindy, you and I are going to enter the no BS zone after our interview. And we're going to talk about today uh, what pros know that you don't. And that's we're talking about you, the, the audience uh, listening to the show. So we're going to give you some tips on, on some of the things that the pros know and uh, how you can uh, uh, capitalize, I guess, on that. But uh, let, let me introduce our, our special guest this morning and then uh, Cindy will, will bring her on. Uh, Janie is uh, 26, a native of Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, she qualified for the 2014 U.S. Women's Open at Pinehurst No. 2 as an amateur. Uh, she became the first female in the history of Alabama to win three state championships. Uh, she's a three-time Alabama high school Class 6A individual title winner uh, for Huntsville High School and uh, made the cut as an amateur at the 2011 Navistar uh, LPJ Classic after earning a spot on the field through their money qualifier. And she also gained entry into the 2012 Mobile Bay LPJ Classic and the 2015 Yokohama Tire LPJ Classic, uh, once again as an amateur courtesy of that Monday qualifier. And she is a uh, first time professional winner as a result of this past weekend. As I mentioned, she won the uh, Symmetra Tour's 12th annual Florida's Natural Charity Classic. So she's very, very excited. And uh, we're grateful that she joined us this morning from Phoenix. So, Cindy, let's welcome Janie Jackson.
2: Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me.
1: We are excited to to have you and congratulations from both of us for uh, um securing that that first win how do, how do you feel about that?
2: I think i'm still um well first of all thank you, but I think I'm still speechless um i don't i I really can't believe it um I did put in a lot of hard work this off season, so I was not expecting to win, but I had a good feeling about about my game, and I felt like it was in a good place. So, it's definitely a a huge confidence booster to start off the season, and um, I'm just, I'm still really excited.
1: Well, we're we're excited for you, and we're excited to have you joining us this morning. Um, Cindy, you want to go ahead uh, and start things off?
0: Janie, and looking at your your um, stats it was like you played amazing and then you had a little lull and now you're playing amazing. So as a former tour player myself, I know that there's ups and downs in trying to play this game for a living. And can you share with the audience kind of like your little journey here? You were at Arizona, you transferred to Alabama. So I look at behind the scenes. Why did you transfer back to home? Was it coaching conflict or was it I just want to be closer to home? So that would be my first question. Why did you transfer?
2: So I decided to go to Arizona when I was a junior in high school. And truth be told, I had I had a great year at, at Arizona. I, I really loved it. Um, looking back, I wouldn't change, change that year for anything. Um, I think for me, I just... I've always kind of been a homebody, especially when I was younger, and so that was the main reason why I I wanted to transfer. Um, I really just missed being back home, missed my my family, my friends, and I really just got extremely lucky that I was able to join the golf team on Alabama. Um, at at the time that I did, it worked out really well, but there was nothing wrong, no no real reason as to why I I decided to transfer. I just I miss being home.
0: I understand. I understand. I get it. So, you told us that you put in a lot a lot of work in the off season. Um can you tell us what you've done to be so good and win by so many shots?
2: Well, it's funny because I'm sitting here talking about how I wanted to go back home from Arizona, and I moved back out to Arizona at the beginning of the year, um, but I, I I made that decision after Q series this past fall. I had a disappointing finish, and uh, the weather's not really a ton of fun in Alabama during the winter. So I moved to Scottsdale and uh, have been enjoying the nice weather. Been practicing every day. Made made some really big swing changes this off season with my coach Mark Blackburn and uh so I just spent a ton of time trying to get comfortable with that and I I felt like when I when I left to go to Florida last week felt like I had made some good changes and um it it ended up being being the right move Good for you.
0: Good for you. Mark's amazing. I love him.
2: He, um, he is. best. Yeah, he's awesome. So, how tall are you? I am 5'10. five ten, five eleven. 5'10, 5'11. Okay.
0: Cuz I'm sitting here looking at your stats and I your dri- average driving distance is 298 yards. Wow. That's I like. Okay, thanks for coming. <laughs> yeah, I quit.
1: I've got I'm, giving long the, arm. I'm giving up the oh game. I'm giving up the game. Oh
2: my system. god. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna Holy say height, play, height plays a big factor in that. I'm gonna say.
0: Well, yeah, but but it's more than just height. It's total. I'm six four, and Listen,
1: six, Cindy. I'm six four, and even I'm not cranking it out that far. So height's not working <laughs> well for me. Well, you're I an didn't. old Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's I got.
0: I got to tell you this. This is so funny. The other night, I get home and I open up a piece of mail and it says, "Dear senior citizen," and I'm like, "Who are you talking to, pal?" <laughs> I'm like, "What the heck? I'm not that old." And I'm like, "Well, go look in the mirror, sweetie pie." Um, so anyway, Ted, go ahead.
1: Um, well, unfortunately, I am when I look in the mirror. So, but uh, I would, I, if that was me, Cindy, I would have just said, "Here, Alan, I think this is for you." Um, but anyways. Um, so Janie, let me ask you. Um, you know, you, you mentioned you know you've been here with the uh, the True now for a number of seasons, and obviously, you know, as I said, you're working towards getting out to the LPJ full time. Um, what do you think has been your biggest struggles, uh, and and really prevented you from from making that that transition? Um, because obviously, you're you're an accomplished player, and you've you've done extre- extremely well through your collegiate programs. Um, but something is, and I know you you talked a little bit about that a second ago. But what has been some of your biggest hurdles? Has it been a, a confidence issue, or has it just not been consistency in certain parts of your game?
2: I think that the my first two years, and even maybe like two and a half years out on tour, I would think that um, I'd say that it was mostly I wasn't comfortable yet um, with what's the lifestyle of playing professional golf. Um, I don't think that when you graduate college and you leave to go out on the road, you, you can really prepare yourself for what's about to happen. You know, you're playing on a weekly basis in a different state every week. You're, you're on your own. Um, and it's just a huge change. And I think that I struggled with that at first. Um, and now this being uh this will be my fourth full season on the semester Tour. I'm now to a point where I know what to expect. Um, I kn- I know what's ahead of me. I know the golf courses that we're going to play. Um, so I think that just getting comfortable with it and, and learning how to put consistently low rounds together, that's how you, how you can go from this step to the next step. And I'm, Hoping that this will be the year for me to do that,
1: yeah, I think uh, and you you're as I said earlier, you're off to a great start, I mean, there's nothing like winning the first event of the season to to really give you a, a sort of a supercharge, if you will. What do you say to yourself yeah. And, yeah and and every player has this you know cindy you know can attest to it as well, um, when you get into those moments where things are just not gelling the way you want to and and obviously you know, negative thoughts creep in. What do you say to yourself now have, having all this experience sort of under your belt? What do you say now that's maybe different to get you back and focus and, and saying, you know what? I know I can do this. I know I've got the game. This is what I need to do. And then you move forward. What do you say to yourself?
2: Golf is such a mental game. So I just try and think about, especially during a tournament, I just try and think, I, I try and focus in on really small points. So, so like during a tournament, I'll think about what's right in front of me, what's happening right then in the moment. If you know, I got some really good advice actually this past week from uh, Cheyenne Knight, LPGA Tour winner this past year. She's a good friend of mine, um, and she was kind of telling me telling me that the night before the final round actually, saying uh, you know you really just need to to focus in on on your internal thoughts and you you cannot sit here and focus on outcomes you want to think about what's right in front of you what are you what are you capable of doing right here not jumping ahead and focusing on big pictures and things like that Um, so I think that's really important and just kind of honing in on on the moment and and things that
1: you can control yeah I think that's some great advice let me ask you just sort of a follow-up question Um, we interviewed a lot of the winners last season um, from the Sumetra as well. And quite a few of them said, sort of made this, and I'm sort of paraphrasing, but made this, this similar statement. And I'm just curious to see if this is something that's played out for you. Um, they were, you know, in, in search of their first win as well. And one of the, the issues that they had, or they said that they had, was that they got too focused on the technique and, and on the play, and they really kind of forgot how to just go out there and have fun. And once they kind of flipped that switch and said, you know what, I'm just going to go out and have fun and whatever happens, happens. Was there a point when you kind of had that similar conversation with yourself and said, you know what, I'm not going to focus so much on technique. I know I've got a good swing. I know I can hit the ball solid. I'm just going to go out there and focus on having fun and doing the best that I can and let the car- cards fall where they may. Is that a similar conversation you had as well?
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was telling myself. Um, the first round out this past weekend, I – I um, I was a little focused on my on my technique, um, especially at the start because that was that was my first week back playing competitively since November. And like I told you earlier, I made some really big swing changes this off season. So uh, I think I was really focused in on that at the beginning of the tournament, and then um, then it just kind of I kind of let it slip my mind, and and I told myself I just I feel like my game's in a good place. I want to go out here. Have fun, enjoy the week, feel that this is what I get to do for a living and just to make the most of it. And that's exactly what I did throughout the whole weekend. Um, I told myself the same thing Saturday night before I played on Sunday. Just go out and, and enjoy the day, have fun, enjoy the position that I'm in. And whatever is supposed to happen is going to happen, anyways. I can only control myself, so I might as well just make the most of it.
1: That's a great uh some great attitude there. I, I think that's well said. Um and you're exactly right. You can only control yourself. You can't control what the other players do. Um and um you know, you just have to go out and play your game. And I think if you go out there and have fun and enjoy it, um I I, I personally think you're more relaxed when you do. I think if you get too many thoughts coming in your head and especially if you've come off a season that maybe you, you didn't feel you played your best, um and then to start the season off again. Um, with that mindset is, is going to be to your own detriment. So obviously you, you've had some good conversations uh, internally with yourself and, and it served you well uh, to start the season off so well. Um, Cindy, go ahead.
0: I'm going to touch back on what you said about becoming comfortable with the lifestyle. Alan and I teach a young girl who just graduated from Winthrop University and she's down in Florida uh, working on her game, living at her grandparents' house. And she's shy and quiet and a homebody, and she's she's always with her family. And Alan and I have talked and said, you know, she's got what it takes. She's got to work on her game, but we're not sure she's going to like the lifestyle. So can you right. share a little – I mean, this is a big deal. You could be great at playing, but you're never home. And the funny thing is, is our son as well went to Augusta State, and he's – he tried to play on the tour. He beat Webb Simpson in a college tournament and, um, and won and then misqualifying by one shot. Now he's got his amateur status back. He's a financial advisor. He's doing really well, and he's going to play in the Azalea. And people are giving him That's grief awesome. because he's driving down, right? And he's like, are you kidding right. me? I can't wait to get in the car and drive and be by myself and not talk to anybody. And Alan and I, my husband played on tour for 15 years, played in the Masters five times. And and we love getting in the car and going to a tournament. It's like old home week. It's circus time, which you fall in love with that. But share a little bit about how difficult it is to get acclimated and at each event. And I, in my opinion, the easiest part was playing golf. Can you tell the oh,
2: listeners? I would com- completely agree with that. Um, it's almost like when you're on the road, the the times when you feel at home are when you're playing golf. Like, that's that's when I feel the most comfortable when I'm on the road is when I'm at the golf course, um, whether it be practice or playing. But, uh, yeah, that's the that's the most difficult part of, of being a golfer is you're always gone, you're always on the road, you're by yourself, you're away from your family, you're away from your friends. I think that a lot of people don't really realize that. Um, you know, everybody will say, oh, you know, you play you play golf for a living that's you're living the dream and yeah yeah i i mean i am I, I i couldn't be happier with what i do for a living it's a blast but at the same time a lot of people don't understand what it's really like out there um i mean it's a grind it's a it really is a full-time job you've if you want to succeed playing golf you really have to be comfortable with with the lifestyle and and that's the hardest part you know there's girls who who have a ton of talent who could who could be the best players in the world and you know I know a few of them on on the tour who have so much talent but they're just not comfortable with what we're doing yet on 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 that weekly basis being being gone and being away all the time and Like I said, I think that was the big thing that held me back at the beginning is I strictly just wasn't comfortable with it yet. And uh, Mm. once once you're able to find that comfort with it and and be okay with it, then I feel like that's when you become so much freer on the golf course and, and can really play and perform your best.
0: That's great. Can I ask one more question? Do you stay in private housing or do you stay in hotels?
2: I try and stay in housing as much as I can. It's, I I love housing. I've uh, I have met some amazing people and now friends that I'll have for, for a lifetime, amazing relationships I've made through housing. Um, It's awesome that the tour does that for us. It really is.
0: It it really is. But but my first year on the tour, (laughs) after about six or eight weeks of staying in housing, um, I just kind of wanted to say, "Here's my resume. Where's my room?"
2: <laughs> you know. I know. I I totally get that.
0: <laughs> but but again, you know, some of the best people we've ever met, they were in our wedding and you know, it's like, "Wow, you're making friends forever." Yeah. Go it's ahead, amazing. Ted. I I love
2: it.
1: <clears throat> well, you know, it, it, it's interesting what you were just saying a few moments ago, uh, Janie, about really um despite being accomplished players, how difficult it is out on tour, um, you know, just with the travel and, and all of the other um, things. What do you do? I mean, besides golf, obviously that's your passion. That's your dream to, to play among uh, and, and with some of the best in the world. But what do you do for fun outside of golf? And, and how do you sort of strip away your, your golf persona, if you will, and just go out and be a young woman?
2: during the season or during the off season
1: either both um
2: during the off season i i love i love doing things outside i love to go um i love to be on the water um i love to snow ski snowboard water ski wakeboard all that stuff um i just i love being outside and and doing things like that with with my friends and my family Obviously, in the off season, I I love to spend as much time with my family as I can because I don't get to see them much during during the year. Um, and same same for my friends. Um, I love to travel, even though we do a, a ton of that during the season. But you know, I'm a I'm a really easygoing person, so I'm I'm always just happy to be doing doing whatever.
1: Do you have other hobbies besides? you know outdoor activities and that but when you're out on tour obviously your your head is in the game and you've got to stay focused and things like that so you don't want a a lot of distractions but um do you get together with a lot of the other players when you're at a different event and just go out and have dinner together and do things like that or or if you're in the housing obviously there's families there but um what do you do during the season to to kind of just unwind a little bit from the day
2: yeah i i have a a really good group of friends out on, out on tour that I hang out with and spend a lot of time with um, dinner. um, Days before the tournament start, we'll try and try and find fun things to do around whatever town that we're in. Um, So I think that's also really important to, um, to make friends with, with the girls out there because, you know, the truth is, is that's who you're with the majority of the year. And that's, for the most part, the same, 144 girls every week. So you might as well become friends with some of them so that you have people to comfort you and hang out with um, while you're not playing. And I think that's really important.
1: I I couldn't agree. It, yeah, I mean, you're, you're seeing these people week in, week out, and obviously there's some subtle changes here and there with different players that get in and don't get in. But um, ultimately you're playing with, a lot of the same group every week throughout <clears throat> throughout the season <clears throat> pardon me so obviously you know you need to to have um, some camaraderie if you will and even though you're out there to to beat them all um, you still want to be uh, uh, you know have some fun along the way let me ask you a question pertaining to particularly young girls that might be listening to the program that are not actively in golf and if you had a captive audience of young girls and the reason why I'm asking this is you know, over the last several years, the National Golf Foundation has put out statistics to show that that the biggest influx of new golfers every season are young girls ranging from about 13 up to their, their late 20s, even early 30s. So that's the, uh, the biggest influx of new golfers, and it represents almost 35% of all new golfers, which is a pretty big number. So if you were sitting in front of, let's say, you know, 30, 40, even 50 young girls that fell sometime, you know, particularly in the lower range of of age, what would you say to them if they've never been exposed to golf? What would you say to them? What would the conversation be like um, to encourage them to at least go down and give it a try?
2: Oh, man. Um, I mean, golf is, I feel like, I feel like golf has has pretty much given me my life. Um, You know, it's, I mean, yeah, it's what I do every day. It's what I know, but, it's shown me some of the most amazing places in the world. It, you know, it's taking it's taken me to places that I wouldn't have gone if it weren't for golf. It's allowed me to make friends, more friends than I could ever ask for and that I'll be friends with for a lifetime. And then I think most importantly, it's such a a good game that relates to life in so many ways, and it's such a humbling game. You know, the second that you think – Oh, I, I've got this in the bag, or I can do this, or I can do that. You know, it it'll show you, hey, it's not that easy. And I love that about golf. It it reminds me every day that that nothing in life comes easy. You have to work for what you want. And um, it's just, I do. I really don't know where I would be without golf. It's again, it's it's made my life. And it was a great decision to to choose golf because I played a ton of sports growing up and um, golf ended up being the one that I, that I chose to pursue. And I'm really happy that I did that.
1: Well, we're happy, excuse me, we're happy that you did as well because obviously you're enjoying that success now. You know, it's interesting that you say that, you know, obviously you're in a position that you've chosen to make golf um, your life and, and your pursuit and passion, if you will. Um, but they're obviously going to, you know, it's, it's far and few between that, that players get to the level that you're at and beyond. Um, but it is, a, as you said, and you, you really said it very well, is that golf really mimics life in so many ways. And I'm a firm believer of that as well. Um, there's so many great lessons that you can take away. So even if you, you know, don't have aspirations of, of playing on a tour or playing in competitive golf, golf does provide so many other opportunities just to get out there and have fun and, and teach you those life lessons. And um, yeah, it can be frustrating and, and it can be a little bit uh, wanting to pull your hair out sometimes, but uh, it also has its rewards as well. And, and uh, you know, when you sink a good putter, you hit a great drive. So there's a lot of um, rewards to it as well. So as you, Janie, as you get ready to move through the the season, you're coming off a uh, win and, and the first one of the, the season, What's gonna be your your mental process moving forward? what are you gonna do? what are you gonna to do to prepare yourself as you propel through the season to ultimately get your card next season
2: um i'm gonna I'm just gonna keep working on uh on the things that I've been working on um making sure i think most importantly that I feel comfortable and confident with um with with where my game is at before every week um I got home yesterday and we have two weeks off before before we go play again um so I I think that's most important kind of like I told you earlier I, I don't want to sit here and think about think about the outcome of the year however you know it is obviously a, a goal of mine to to get off of the symmetric tour this year and uh, progress onto the LPGA tour mainly on on what's happening right now what can I control right now uh you know one day at a time one shot at a time one tournament at a time I don't I don't want to start thinking big picture too much um, I just kind of want to stay stay in the zone in the moment and, and stay focused and and enjoy every week
1: I think that's a great plan now you you just mentioned and I and, uh, didn't realize that but so you're you're off for a couple of weeks now so you've had the first term of the year and you're off for a couple of weeks what are you going to do over the next two weeks to make sure that you stay sharp?
2: Uh, I'm, just, I'm I'll practice in every day at, at least, and then uh, some days I'll go play. I'm going to go play this afternoon with um, with Emma Talley and Ryan O'Toole. Um, so that's another another cool thing about having moved to um, to Scottsdale <laughs> is that I have a ton of people, a ton of great great people and players that I can play with every day here and. Uh, will give me some competition on my off weeks.
1: Very good. Um, Cindy, any final thoughts or or questions that you have for for Janie before we let her go?
2: Janie, you've
0: got the right mindset. You can't control the outcome. You can only control what you do. So just keep practicing and plodding along and working on your swing. And if you follow the process, uh, the results will show up. So congratulations and good luck.
2: Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much.
1: That yes, Janie. Great uh, year. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I concur. Yeah, have a fantastic year, and come back and visit us anytime time and, and go out and, and win some more tournaments and just have, have fun this season. If nothing else, have fun.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you so much, and thank you, thank you guys for having me on. You're welcome. It was our pleasure. Hopefully we'll talk to you and, again soon.
1: Yeah, congratulations Fingers again. On, on, yeah. <laughs> All right. Go relax and enjoy, uh, enjoy soak it in and, and just enjoy it. And thank you, Janie again for joining us this morning on the women of golf. Have a good day. Right. Bye. bye. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was uh Janie Jackson, uh winner of the first um, season event on the Symmetra tour, the uh, Florida's natural charity classic. Um, what a great attitude. You know, Cindy, just to, very quickly before we take a, a short little um, promotional break here, but um she just really has, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess, let me back this up. I'm impressed with how together these young women are off the Sumatra Tour. I mean, each one that we talk to, it's the same thing. I mean, they're just really very focused, but at the same time, they recognize that it is just a game, and um, they, you know, over time they, they come to realize that, you know what, they just need to go out there and, and have fun.
0: That's all they can do. Again, I, yeah. I, they're so mature. Right. And and notice that she says it took four years to get comfortable.
1: Yeah.
0: And thankfully, she didn't quit because clearly, I mean, if this girl starts to hit it straight and make some putts, she's going to be a powerhouse. I mean, you hit a 298 yards on the LPGA Tour, excuse me, <laughs> but you're going to kick a lot of butts. Whatever the mindset she needs to have, she now has. So I would warn the rest of the players.
1: Yeah, it's uh, yeah. that's that's an, an incredible stat to have. Uh, I mean, 298 yards, that uh, just blows me away. It literally does. It blows that's me away. Average. Just, I know. That's, average. That's, that's, that's Yeah, I didn't average. want to go that.
0: Did, did you hear I, that? The average.
1: Cindy, stop reading those stats. You're making me depressed over here on the other side. <laughs> quit, quit reading those stats um but but you know you're you're exactly right i mean you've just got to go out there and and, and play your game and you just have to and, and you know it's interesting cindy this is something too that i i wonder and, and maybe you can answer this uh, a little bit better um you know obviously every player is different some can come right out of the gate and and just come on real strong and, and go out there i guess it depends on the personality but do you think it's better or overall for a player to go through the process the way she's doing it where she's you know over time it's sort of a a gradual stair step if you will as opposed to somebody that just comes out hard and fast from the gate and you know obviously has a lot of success very early do you think it's easier um doing it that way the latter uh or or her way where it's just a little bit more of a, a slower pace but eventually she gets there what do you think on that
0: well, I think the lessons have to be learned, and I think uh, different behavior styles would adapt to this lifestyle differently. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I again, her behavior <clears throat> style is best suited for the long-term goal of being a really good, consistent player of, over a long period of time. Um, you know, it just depends on the person, but. the lessons have to be learned you have to know how to travel you have to know where the events are you have to be comfortable with oh i'm going into a new town well now she's got the same housing she's had for every year right so it's a little more comfortable if you will the first year is like well where am i going how do i do this i'm not sure if i belong here there's doubt there's apprehension there's fear you know Mm -hmm. and um the lessons have to be learned it's just a matter of when.
1: Yeah, and, and obviously everybody's different. We know that. So, it, you know, it, it might come a little easier for some than others. But um, I, I think that's uh, some great points because, you know, I, I can think of a few of the ladies that we, we spoke to last year that had um, gone out onto, you know, they, they secured their card a few years ago, got out in the LPGA and then lost their card, had to come back to the Symmetra Tour, and each of them expressed the same thing, that they really learned a lot. It was They were grateful for the exposure out in the LPGA, but they really weren't quite ready. Uh, for what they expected or, or their expectations were different, I guess, when they get out there. So, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I think you have to sort of learn those uh, lessons. And obviously every everybody's pace is a little bit different. But um, I think that uh, – I think Janie is going to do very, very well. She seems to be well-grounded and um, really knows what she wants. And, I mean, to, you know, to to really blow the field away that she did, um, to be that far ahead coming into the final rounds, and especially – you know into the last few holes with that much of a lead um, gives you a lot of confidence and comfort to um, you know to to finish it out so she certainly did that and and uh, we congratulate her for that all right Cindy let's uh, set up your spot and then we'll um, enter the no BS zone
0: well everyone knows the game of golf is uh, awesome for business so take a listen everyone knows business deals are made on the golf course Knowing how to act is just as important as how you hit it. As an LPGA professional and corporate trainer, I offer workshops, seminars, and executive retreats to teach you how to do both. From the back nine to the boardroom, improve your team from the inside out, or golf 101 for executives might be the perfect fit for your team. Maybe it's time to make some deals on the course. For more information, go to cindymillerinc.com.
1: And remember, when the show ends, uh, go to CindyMillerInc.com and uh, you can reach out to Cindy there if you're interested uh, in working with her in, in many capacities, but um, that's the best place to go. Um, all right, Cindy, we kind of started this different little segment uh, this season. I, I've, I found it a little uh, interesting. Uh, we were calling it the No BS Zone, and that's simply we're going to give it to you straight uh, as uh, as best as we know, and hopefully you'll you'll take away. And we started out. Uh, really with a sort of a, a beginner's guide, if you will, and talking about uh, some of the ways that if you're just new to the game and you've never played before or have maybe played very little and you're trying to, to get your, your feet established, if you will, in, in, in this wonderful game. And then last week we talked about some things uh, that the intermediate, a little bit better player might need to know uh, in order to take it to the next level. And we're going to take it to the next level right now and talk to you about what pros know that you don't. Um, and, you know, there's so many different things and I've just jotted down a few of them here. And this is one area, Cindy, that I think a lot of amateurs don't understand. And that is sort of maintaining that wrist hinge uh, until you release through the ball. And uh, we often hear of it referred to as uh, the lag, if you will. Um, and this is an area that, that I think a lot of amateurs just don't get. What we often see, um, just to, to give people and understanding is sort of maintaining as you go into the backswing um you obviously have to You naturally wrist uh hinge your wrist excuse me and what a lot of players do is they will cast the club from the top in other words they'll start unhinging that those wrists very early on in the swing so that by the time they come back down to impact um they've they've actually not only fully released, but they're actually starting in their turn and either shut the club face or if their hands are not uh, adjacent correctly to on the grip, may have uh, coming at it with an open club face. So talk about, Cindy, how important that wrist hinge is and why uh, it's important.
0: Well, some people that come in for lessons have been told not to use your wrist at all, and what I do is I I swing the club in front of them and say, okay, if I didn't bend my wrist at all, this is what I would look like at the top of my backswing. And I'm sure you've watched golf on TV, and this is not what they look like on TV. So your wrist must physically hinge. And how they hinge determines what the club face looks like. So if you are right-handed and you play golf right-handed and you have a watch on your left wrist, When you swing the club back and your wrist hinge, you should be able to almost see what time it is on your watch. Now, if your wrist is bulged and you can't see what time it is, the face is totally closed and the ball will go left of the world. And if you can see too much of your watch, the face will be wide open. So you can see the watch and you can feel the club resting on your left thumb at the top. The club face is perfect. Now, when you come back down, all you're trying to do is bring the face back to where it started. So as you set up at a dress, the club should be pointing between the zipper of your pants or skirt and your seam, if you were going to um, iron your pants, the seam on your left leg. So the grip should be pointed between the zipper and the crease, and that's exactly where you want it to come back to at impact. So if it starts straight, it swings up, you can see what time it is or feel it rest on your thumb, and it comes back to where it started, the ball has to go straight.
1: Right, exactly. And let me just add, for those listening to the show, I'm going to give you, uh, and obviously this is a a visual cue, but um, something that you can can use to to help feel um, what that is. And this was a drill that I saw actually Nick Faldo do in one of his videos, and I think it's really, really cool how he did this and he used to actually precock or pre-hinge his wrist before he even started his backswing. So if you can think about this, if you imagine if you're at a dress and you're, you're ready to, to hit the ball, you've got the, the club face down behind the ball, and what he would do is he would hinge his wrist so that now the club would be parallel to his target line. So actually the club head would be um, to his right, if, again for right-handed golfers, and the shaft would be running along uh, to, obviously to his hands, and it would be pointing basically down, and uh, parallel to his target line, and then all he would simply have to do is he would just rotate his shoulders um, back until his left shoulder was actually underneath his chin, and he would actually be in a perfect backswing position and Then what he would do is he would take it a step further and he did what we call the pump drill, and he would keeping those, those wrists hinge, he would pump his arms down um, to just in front of him, and he would do that two or three times, and on the third time through, then he would release it. And what that did is it actually forced him to maintain that uh, wrist hinge. So if you go on Google and you look at uh, Google Nick Faldo and you look up, I believe, if you do it under the pump drill, uh, he does that demonstration very, very well. Um, but that is a great way to understand and get the feel of what and how your your wrist should actually hinge. I uh, know there's many others out there. I know that, but that was one that I always really, really liked because he was Uh, an incredible ball striker. And he obviously was an extremely accomplished player winning six major championships. So, um, but that's one there to kind of give you that and um, help you to feel what it's like to, to maintain that wrist hinge. And as you know, as I pointed earlier, Cindy, one of the problems that a lot of golfers have is they release too early and they end up casting. And and again, depending on how their club face uh, was going back, Uh, hit all kinds of terrible shots. And um, so it's important to understand that. And that's something that the pros have learned and understand and do extremely well. And that's why they're able to hit those nice, crisp shots all the time with consistency. So that would be sort of a secret move, if you will, uh, is maintaining that wrist hinge. Um, Another one is, and this is one that a lot of people have misunderstood. Um, Cindy, um, we've heard about keeping your head still. There is a slight rotation of your head Um, This is another area. Jack Nicholas was probably one that you really noticed it is he actually had a slight rotation of his head as he was going back uh, into his backswing. And there's a reason if you try to hold that head too steady, uh, it's very, very easy um, to not get into the proper positions in your backswing. And once you fail to do that, then you're going to have problems transitioning in through impact and beyond. So what are your thoughts about rotating the head? And how can people um best get that proper feeling and understanding of that.
0: Uh, I know it's I a hard one. Tell you, yeah, I would tell you that I I I never I try to keep my head still. I understand it's going to move. It has to move, but I don't lock my neck mm-hmm. and I I visualize this is kind of sick, but this is what I think that I have a hole in my chest, and I'm spiked to the pole, if you will, and that if I stay still, everything swings around my spiked chest. So I'm not trying to move my head, but my head does move. And in fact, your head, all the best players in the world, their head actually goes backward through impact. And people think they have to move way forward. Well, when you release the head, it's almost like a trigger effect and a shotgun. Your your head, when you release the club head, your oracle head will move backwards and it will rotate. So I don't, I don't like thinking about my head. I try to keep really still and I allow my arms to swing through and my body to follow. So I didn't really answer your question, but...
1: No, you you did. I mean, and this is the point: is it's not a conscious. You're not physically twisting your head one way or the other. It's hap- It's a natural movement. You know, I think what what really when we hear in golf instruction, you know, keep your head steady. You know, Jack Nicholas, as I mentioned, used to talk about how Jack Grout, who was uh, his longtime uh, coach, used to, you know, grab onto his hair, and that was one of the reasons he did that was because obviously if you get too much movement. Um, you you begin to sway off the ball and that creates a whole myriad of of other problems that we can talk about another time. But the idea was you do keep your head steady to a point, but there is a natural rotation that happens as uh, I mean, it's literally impossible as you begin to move and transition into your backswing, there is a slight um, head uh, rotation, if you will. And, and how you know that is you tend to see the golf ball, more through your, again, for right-handed golfers, through your left eye than you really do both eyes. The problem if you keep it rock steady and you don't have any rotation, that what happens is you don't, uh, of your head rather, you don't really properly get into a full loaded up backswing. And then what ends up happening is you're, you haven't transferred your weight properly. Um, so there's a lot of different components to it. Um, by by uh, Again, it's okay to keep your head steady to a point but as you pointed out, Cindy, you don't want to lock your neck so that it's, you know, it's like you've got a, a post going through your spine into the back of your head and it can't move. You have to let it move naturally. So there is a, a slight head rotation. Some take it more extreme than others, but um, it, it is a, a natural movement and you have to let it happen naturally. So that's another move, if you will, a secret move, if you will, that the pros know that you don't. And another one that I've put together here, Cindy, as we, we wrap this up, is, uh, and we've heard this, and again, we're, we're dealing with right-handed golfers, but uh, just flip what we're talking about in reverse uh, for those of you that are, are lefties. And that is keeping your trailing knee flexed. One of the big problems, Cindy, and I'll start this off, is we see as, as uh, folks are transitioning into their backswing, um, their left leg, of course, is going to be their trailing knee. Um, what they end up doing is they, they lock it up straight. So in other words, they stand up with their left leg. And what that does, it creates a re- reverse pivot. So what happens is now their weight, even though they're still going into their backswing, has now begun to start leaning left. And the problem with that is now as they unwind, their, their body, unless they want to fall over, has to naturally pivot back to the right. And we get what's called that reverse pivot. And all kinds of horrible things can happen. So it's important to keep that knee flex so that you can get into a proper transition going into the backswing. What are your thoughts there as well, Cindy?
0: All I'm gonna say is I agree. <laughs> it's a little
1: left brain for me. Right. It's well, a little left
0: brain. Yeah. I I try to keep both knees bent, so you don't uh, move all over the place. And and yes, I don't want anybody to do a reverse pivot, but on the other hand, I believe that your body will follow if if you swing that club head. And I I try to keep both knees knocked in a little bit so that you can't swing and sway and shift and lock your legs and do all kinds of crazy moves. So I would say a great drill would be to knock those knees in and swing that club head and make a whoosh.
1: I couldn't agree more. Um, You know, the whole purpose is, you know, we see with the amateur Cindy um, so many times where, uh, again, they're coming out of their posture. When you get into that good posture, when you you've got a uh, you know a, a, a really good posture, you've addressed the ball correctly, and the, the ball's in the great position, and you're ready to go. And then suddenly you make a move where you now take yourself out of that good posture. Then you're opening the door um, for so many rotten things, for lack of better words, to happen. And this is what we see. And this is why I say you know keeping that trailing knee flexed, as Cindy said, and. And, and that is a great drill, if you will, is to keep your knees sort of uh, connected t- towards one another. And that's why you'll see sometimes in drills, you'll see them, um, they will put a, a beach ball or, or some other, uh, maybe like a medicine-type ball um, in between their knees. And the idea is, as you're transitioning back, is not to drop that ball. That n- in other words, you're keeping your knees together and you keep maintaining that flex. Because, as I pointed out earlier, Cindy, if you if you come out of that posture... Um, by straightening that, that trailing knee, ultimately what happens, as I said, you pivot to the left automatically because your, your weight sort of falls back. And, and then conversely, as you're coming in through the downswing into impact, um, your body has really no choice but to um, pivot back to the right. And then you're either going to end up um, not coming in in a, in a downward motion towards, especially with your irons, uh, with your club face, you're going to end up sort of scooping or coming up on the ball and you're hitting top shots or all kinds of, of bad golf shots. So it's important to do that. So some good drills to do that is, again, put a, a, um, even a basketball, something uh, a little bit larger like that between your knees, get into your good posture, and just swing easy. You don't have to swing full. And it's okay, obviously, as you go through impact and you go into the follow-through, the ball is going to drop at that point. But as you're going into your backswing, you want to maintain that ball between the knees because that will do exactly what you pointed out, Sydney, is That keeps that flex in the knees And you'll find that you're going to hit much better and more consistent shots because you're not going to be coming out of your posture. So um, those are some moves and some things that the pros know that you don't. uh, Maintaining that wrist hinge, uh, you know, letting the head rotate naturally and keeping that trailing knee flexed. And if you watch any of the pros on television, male or female, um, I know the swings are pretty quick, but if you get an opportunity to watch them in slow motion, uh, you will see that they do all three of those uh, very consistently. Uh, and when they're not, that's usually when they're going to start hitting some bad shots. So um, anything else, Cindy, that you can think of that maybe um, that we know that the pros are doing that would be a good tip to throw out to, the, uh, to the listeners?
0: What I would say is that the more you stabilize your, your body and allow yourself to use your body as leverage and you relax your arms and swing the club head, greater and further you will hit the ball. I think we all try too hard, and I think you need to relax and let it rip.
1: I agree. Um, the main thing, as we, we say all along through this program, is um, we know golf is hard and golf can, is challenging. We, we can attest to that, um, you know, playing uh, this game. But you have to go out there and just have fun. Um, no matter how you're hitting the ball, obviously there's ways to improve that. We talk about some of them on the show and, and connecting with, with Cindy or I or some of the other great professionals out there, we can help you uh, isolate some of the issues that you may be having and help you work on uh, a plan to improve those. Um, but even if you're not playing your best, um, just go out there and have fun and enjoy the game and, and don't be afraid to laugh at yourself. Good. Lord knows I laugh at myself all the time. So um, and Cindy, I'm sure once in a while you do as well, but, you know, you just, I do. you're going to, yeah, you're going to hit some bad shots. That's just the name of the game. And that's the fun of the game, really. You know, if we all hit them all perfect all the time, yeah, it would be great in some respects, but you know what? Um, then you get to a point where you don't feel like you're growing and you're learning in the game. And, and even the best players, Cindy, out there can, uh, can attest to you. It's a continual journey in this game of golf. No, there are no masters of the game. There's some great players of the game, but there are no masters of the game. So um, we're all in pursuit of, of playing better golf and it should be a fun journey along the way. So, um, Cindy, uh, and, and, uh, I think we, uh, we had a great start to, uh, the Symmetra Tour season. We're looking forward to, uh, having some other great young ladies come on and share their journey, uh, throughout this season. And we want to thank once again, our special guest, Janie Jackson, uh, winner of, uh, this past weekend's Florida's natural charity classic. Congratulations again, Janie on, uh, win well-deserved and, uh, we want to thank all of you, the listeners, for tuning in faithfully each and every week, and we hope you continue to do so. And we will be next, next back next week Excuse me, uh, here on the Women of Golf. We hope you join us. Thanks, Cindy.
0: Thanks, Ted. Have a great week.
1: You too. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf. Or on any of these social media platforms iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Castbox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.